This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. We're in John chapter 1 this, this evening, and you're welcome to go and then turn there with me. But, you know, as we were reading the missionary letters this evening, it kind of hit me that, you know, this is, we, we had two missionaries that, uh, that both had children who were lost in the past year. You know, Nathan, Nathan Raynon, he was actually my roommate at, at PCC. And so when I heard of his passing, that, that hit a little, a little close to home for me because I knew him personally. Um, and there are many other things that we can look to why, you know, 2020 was a dark year, why it was maybe not the best of years, and, and many things that we can look to. And I know even at this time, we have people in our, our church family that are, that are suffering, that are maybe going through a harder time. And yet, I'm privileged to bring God's Word to us tonight, and that's where we can find hope, in, not just in the Word of God, but in the person of the Word, Jesus Christ. Um, and so I'm excited to open up God's Word to you this evening. Um, so as we get started, think back to when you were a kid. Um, I'm sure many of you had maybe something that you were fascinated with. Maybe you, it was a, a toy, an action figure, a doll, or a superhero that, that you loved. For me, that was Star Wars. As a kid, I, I loved Star Wars. And now, before I get, I get going on this, I know or I can, can anticipate a couple general responses to the fact that I'm a Star Wars fan. You know, some of you out there might be saying, Man, that's awesome. I love Star Wars. You're, you're right on, we're on the same page. We love it. We love the story. I think of the Tarkenton boys. You know, we can talk Star Wars all day, and we, we love that. We have that connection there. And that's just a, that's a, that's something that we love to talk about. There's also some of you out there who are thinking in your minds, man, what a nerd. Pastor Asher, who are we hiring on staff these, these days? Star Wars fans? And... You have the right to your opinion. That opinion may be wrong, but you you have that that opinion, the right to it. Um, And then there are a few of you out there who you're maybe not sure exactly what I'm talking about, and you're you're thinking to yourself, yeah, yeah, um, I was a huge fan of Ronald Reagan's policies as well. And so there might be a few of you out there, and it's really hard to also, when I tell a joke, to see if anyone actually thinks it's funny. So thank you, Mrs. Taylor, for laughing at that. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so I am truthfully still a, a big Star Wars fan, um, especially even as a kid. I had the lightsabers, the action figures, and man, you should have seen some of the duels we had in the homeschool group. You know, I'm sure I had some bloody knuckles a couple times, but, you know, we had a lot of fun. And I'm sure even for those of you who don't like Star Wars, most of you are familiar with, you know, the general plot line or some of the different themes. And I'm sure even some of you can think back to one of the most iconic uh, scenes in Star Wars. You have Luke Skywalker, you know, the hero of Star Wars, versus the most iconic, the most infamous, evil villain in probably most of cinematic history, and that's Darth Vader. And you have this massive fight, good versus evil, and Luke trying to save his friends, finds himself in a massive lightsaber duel with this evil villain. And man, they are going back and forth. They're trying to get the upper hand. They're fighting. And the entire time, Darth Vader is trying to convince Luke Skywalker to join the dark side. You know, this is one of the main plot lines throughout Star Wars, 
the light versus the dark. And Darth Vader is trying to get Luke Skywalker to join the dark side. And so this battle is commencing. But then Luke Skywalker suffers a massive blow. And he's no longer able to fight. So in, a, in, a, in an attempt to escape, he climbs out onto this balcony to this antenna where he is at the mercy of Darth Vader. And there, Darth Vader reaches out his cold, robotic hand and says, Luke, join the dark side. Luke, in confusion, says, What? You killed my father. I am not going to join you. And then, the most iconic lines, there's a lot of iconic things about Star Wars, but the most iconic line in, in cinema history, Darth Vader utters, and spoiler, if you haven't seen Star Wars, pause the live stream and go, just kidding. But he says, Luke, I am your father. Whoa, mind blown, I'm sure, for some of those who you have just now heard the news. But yeah, this, ma this massive scene where it's good versus evil, light versus dark, and it's some, of the, uh, some great storytelling that we can all, you know, enjoy. But... The fact is, there is a real battle going on between light and dark. And it's a real one. It's not a story. And let me tell you, it blows Star Wars out of the water. This is a real battle. And it takes place, really, here on Earth. You know, it started when God created the heavens and Earth. And mankind was created in the image of God. And we had everything we, we needed we had fellowship with the light itself, God. We walked in the garden with him. We had everything we needed. But then sin entered the picture. Darkness came over the earth. It appeared that Satan had won, that sin had taken over. How could a God that deems himself to be more powerful than any darkness let this happen? God was not surprised by this. God did not look on his people with, with hatred. He looked on his people with love. And you know, the darkness, it did everything it could to try to resist the light from coming. It did everything to stamp it out. It used every power that it could. But with majestic humility, Christ entered the picture. Light to this world came in the form of a baby. And Christ came, his appearance lowly, his nature divine, and his purpose illuminating and life-saving. Jesus Christ had come onto the picture. And tonight, we're going to look at the Gospel of John, in John chapter 1. And really, John likes to focus not on necessarily how Jesus came, but on the who of the coming. And so take your Bibles again and look with me at John chapter 1. And we're going to start out by looking at the first five verses. And here John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was the life, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. 
Let's go ahead and pray before we go any further. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the light that you have given us, God. Thank you so much for the life that is found in your Son. God, and may we walk away with a greater appreciation for who you are, for who your Son is, and the purpose that your Son came to do. Lord, again, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your many blessings that you have given to us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Again, we want to look at the Lord of light this evening. And really, we want to look at the nature of Jesus, the life in Jesus, and the response that, that was had to Jesus, and the response that is had to Jesus right now. And we're going to focus on who this Lord of light is. I want us to walk away with a greater love and understanding of who our Lord is. And I hope that will drive us to a greater desire to serve him and rejoice in his coming, especially this time of year. So let's dive right in. So first of all, let's look at the nature of Jesus that is found in this passage. So looking back at John chapter 1, you know, before, this is actually like an introduction to the entire gospel of John. Um, John, writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, had a kind of a unique portrayal of Christ. Uh, many, of the, many of the gospels have a specific portrayal of Christ. Um, for, for example, Matthew portrayed Jesus as the king of the Jews. And really we see that even in the introduction to the book of Matthew, in the lineage that we see. Um, Mark is the suffering servant. Luke is the son of man. And then John portrays Christ as the son of God. In this opening few verses that we see, it's vital even to understanding the rest of the book of the Bible. Here we see topics that, becomes, that become themes throughout the gospel. And this really does introduce us to who Jesus Christ is. And John gives us a few major characteristics of the Messiah. The first thing that, we, that, jump, the first thing that jumps out at us from this passage is that John refers to Jesus Christ as the Word. The Word. Again, back to verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Again, John refers to Jesus as the Word. And we know that just from the context that this whole passage is referring to Christ. And Jesus is the Word of God. He is the Word of God to us. He is the Word of God declared directly to us in person that we may know God even more, that we may know God's plan. John 14 and verse 9 says, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And Jesus is the incarnate word to us, and we must trust every word that he speaks. You know, this just brings more and more credible, credibility to who Jesus is, that he is not just coming on his own account, but on the account of God, that he is the word of God to us. Also, that we see from the very first few words that Jesus is eternal. In the beginning was the Word. The Word did not begin at the birth of Christ. That was not the origin of Jesus, but He always has been, and He always will be. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Jesus Christ is eternal. He always was and always will be He's been around the block, you could say. He knows what's going on. 
And this all points to the fact that we find out that Jesus is God. Again, John states emphatically that he is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is an incredible statement. I mean, most of us, when we think of John 1, we think of the fact that, you know, Jesus is God. It's what this passage is known for. But it tells us that Jesus is no ordinary man. This is the Christ. This is God. This is who our salvation rests on. If Jesus was not God, he could not adequately, adequately pay for our sins. He couldn't be a proper sacrifice. But John wants to know who has come, that this is not just a man coming to be a prophet or just to be a good man. This is God in the flesh. And John wants us to realize the gravity of who this is, the gravity of the person that he is writing of in this passage and the rest of the gospel. He is Emmanuel, the one prophesied, God with us. And this should bring joy to our hearts. This should bring a hope that we have that God loved us. Again, we think of one of the most famous verses in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God sent the begotten son. But we also see that he is creator. And then this is going on to support that he is God, giving Jesus Christ the same power as God. Again, in verse 3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Again, Jesus is not just equal with God in standing, but is equal with God in power. Jesus had the power, he has the power to create all things. He created each and every one of us. You know, I had Pastor Radice read Colossians chapter 1. And there we see just the glory that is found in Jesus Christ and who he is. And the fact that he is creator, that he is the head of all things, and by him all things consist. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our praise. He is preeminent. He is above all things. And he is the object of our faith. This child that we see portrayed in our nativity scenes, he's the eternal creator God. He's the God of the universe. And again, he's a God worthy of our praise, our adoration, adoration and our worship. We have to know who God is and the fact that he's the one that we celebrate this time of year. And see, John, it clearly explains to us who he is. But see, we also get to see why the Son of God came. And this is where we find the life in Jesus. Look with me at verse 4. It says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Jesus is the life. Jesus is salvation. This is his purpose for coming. Jesus writes, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is the life. 
He is what sustains. He is what is essential for us to live. Without him, there is no hope. Without him, there is only suffering. There's only death. And the world needs salvation. It needs Jesus Christ. This world is lost in sin. And Christ came to give life. And we see that John here and throughout the scripture uses the metaphor of light to darkness. The world we lived in is soaked in darkness. Sin has blinded those in the world to the true light of Christ. Christ is the complete opposite of sin, but he seeks to save people from it. Light illuminates to see what is true, and Christ has brought an illuminating light that reveals our hearts to what is true, to what God has for us. Warren Rearsby writes, Just as the first creation began with, Let there be light, so the new creation begins with the entrance of light into the heart of the believer. We have this light in our heart. We have a light that is with us eternally that will never pass away. And you even think about this past missions conference. Even the banner behind me um, still reminds us of that. Light out of darkness was our theme. That we are portraying light, the light of Jesus Christ to the nations and to our communities. And what an opportunity to be a witness for that light this time of year. To share the light of the gospel to others. And we are to be that light. This is the purpose for Christ, that Christ came to save. That should be our purpose, to bring glory to God by shining the light to others. So what better time of year to to tell other people about the life in Christ? We see that God also sent someone ahead of time to be a witness to that light. Look at verse 6 with me. And here, John writes, There was a man sent from God whose name was John, that being John the Baptist. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Again, we see that God sent a witness ahead of time, that being John the Baptist, to proclaim, to make way for the Messiah. This was proclaimed even hundreds of years beforehand in the Old Testament, that there would be one coming ahead of time. And this was John the Baptist. And here we even see the mission, the purpose, again, that God had. Again, in verse 7, that all men through him might believe. Again, Jesus wants all people to come unto himself. And even John here, he doesn't want to take away from who Christ is. He even mentions here, you know, this was not the Christ. Don't, don't be mistaken. This was not the Christ. This was just a messenger, someone going ahead of time. The true light is Jesus Christ. Again, John doesn't want to take anything away from who Christ is. But again, he points us back to who Jesus Christ is in verse 9. He says, that, being Jesus Christ, the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Jesus Christ came to be a light in the world, to bring life. He has come to restore all back to himself. He came to bring hope, a hope that is not wavering, 
but is confident. I believe uh, a week or so ago um, in our Sunday school classes, our adult Bible fellowships, we got to dive into what that word hope means in a biblical standpoint. It's not something that we just wishfully hope. Sorry, you shouldn't use the word when defining a word. But it's not something that we, we desire to happen with very little expectation, but it is a confident expectation. And this is the confident expectation that Christ has come to save us. And through this light that he has brought, we have a fellowship with the Father. And this really has been one of the main themes throughout Scripture is God's mercy on his people. Throughout the Scriptures, we can see people rebelling against God. But time after time, God bringing back people by his mercy into fellowship with him. Jim Berg writes, that God is on a mission to redeem and restore a fallen people to the likeness of his son for the praise of his glory. This has been God's mission all along. Christ was now here. Salvation is here. And you would think that people would be flocking towards the light, running towards Christ, but that was not necessarily the case. And it's important that we note Thirdly, the response to Jesus. Look with me at verse 10. Here, John writes, He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Again, we see that, first of all, Jesus Christ came to his own creation. Again, we referenced just a few minutes ago that Jesus Christ is the creator. He created all things. We, said, we see that in verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him. We see that Christ came to his own creation. He essentially became a part of his creation. And yet how heartbreaking is it that his own creation, that he loved so much, rejected him. He came into his own, and his own received him not. He even came to his own city. In his own city, kicked him out, ran him out of town. And people consistently rejected the light. I remind you of verse 5. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. People are blind to the light, and his own people rejected him. But even in that rejection, Christ still loves us. He still loved the people that rejected him, and in fact, we see that there's also a blessing to those who receive him. Verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. As a Christian, we now have all the rights and privileges of being a son of God, that you have been the power to become the sons of God. 
We have now access to his throne room. We have a father that cares for us, that consistently and faithfully helps us, sustains us, shows mercy to us, gives us power for the day-to-day things of our life. He is our friend that sticks closer than a brother. There are some amazing privileges that come with being a child of God. And those of you who might be feeling discouraged at this time, that might be feeling a little bit in the dark, we have the light of Jesus Christ and the privileges that go along with that, that Christ promises to be with us. He promises to sustain us. He will give us peace in the times when we don't know what's going on. He is our God. He is our Savior. And we have the awesome privilege of trusting in him and being a child of God. John makes sure again to to note that this is not a result of the will of man, the power of man. We did not earn the salvation, but it is all because of the will of God and the power of God. And then I love how in verse 14, John sums it all up for us. He writes, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The word, the holy, eternal creator God was made flesh. He was made a man. And when we see God, we see him in his glory. But yet he humbled himself. He came to us in the flesh. But we got to see God in the flesh, the Son of God. And here John implies that Jesus was still 100% God, even though he was 100% man. And yet he even refers that, that Jesus Christ is full of grace and truth. He is the word of God. Nothing in him is false. He is truth. And he has given the best gift of grace, that being salvation. We serve a great God. We serve a God that loves us. And we get to celebrate that this time of year, that this holy God came to earth in the form of a baby. And this was all part of God's plan to dispel darkness for the rest of history. And that's found in Jesus Christ, the Lord of light, the light of the world. You know, one of the highlights of the Christmas season, you know, is the decorations, the Christmas lights. I'm sure many of you will go to maybe it's the boardwalk in Virginia Beach or uh, maybe I know Sleepy Hole Golf Course now has lights that you can see. And different ways that we, we, we look to see the lights and the, the beauty that's there. Even our church has lights strung up with garland around the, the auditorium. I'm sorry, you guys can't see that tonight. But uh, there's just many decorations even throughout our whole church. And let me tell you, if, if you want to know anything about Christmas lights, the person you need to talk to is Chris Andreessen. He showed me a picture last week or two of, of some of the lights that he has on his house. And let me tell you, it's like every square inch of that place is decked out in lights. He loves the Christmas season. He has some awesome Christmas spirit. Um, but it, it, I encourage you to swing by his house, ask for a picture. You know, I'm sure he'd love to show it off. But uh, 
you know, we love the Christmas lights, and they per portray such brightness. But have you ever had a, a bulb or a wire or something where the light's just not working? It's cut off from the source. It, it can be so frustrating because it's not doing what you want it to do. It's not accomplishing its purpose. Um, and that can be very frustrating. But how often in our own Christian lives do we, you know, kind of lock ourselves out from the source of our light? And we, we stop portraying and displaying the light of Jesus Christ in our own lives. We need to know the source, that he is God, that he is Savior. But we can't just sit on that. We have to shine our light into a community that is dark and in a world that is dark and in need of light. I leave you with this verse. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. It's been a, it's been a rough year. It's been a dark year. It might even be a dark time for you right now. But we have Jesus Christ. Jesus is the light. Let's bring light to a dark world this time of year. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the light that you have given us. Lord, I pray that you would be with those who are hurting in our church, who are unhealthy, God, who are not feeling well. God, bring healing to their bodies. Give them peace. Give them comfort. But may they run to the Lord of light, God. And we thank you for all these things. Lord, you are a good God. Thank you for the opportunity to serve you, Lord. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.